Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to yet another Black Ink podcast. I am your host Jake Kerr and today's podcast is an absolute wild one. I spoke with Jason from Enhanced Cleaning, which is a local cleaning business. This guy is 22 years old. His business is currently turning over more than a million dollars a year and he started it himself from scratch. His story is absolutely amazing. I was I was completely enamored with every question and every answer that I that I got from him because he's just it's wild to think that someone who's a eight years younger than me has get has done what he's done and getting the results he's getting, and b like this dude's from Bunbury. That makes it so real to me as a businessman, and, and hopefully makes it real to you as someone who's listening to this. I'm guessing from Bunbury as well. It's it's an exciting story. It definitely reignited me in a particular way, which I seem to find every podcast I do just revs me back up to to go out there and keep on doing business and keep on communicating and having fun and building cool things. So I hope you get everything that I got from this podcast. Let me know down in the comments what you think of it. Hit me up on Instagram, hit me up on Facebook. Let me know your thoughts. I can't wait to hear all about them. But before we get to that, a quick word from our sponsors. Righty, oh, DGS Southwest is my man Dylan. I went to school with this guy. I trust him through and through. He's a good man. He's had over 11 years in the aircon industry. This dude knows what he's talking about. He's just recently in the past 12 months gone out on his own two feet and started his own small business. And for that, I congratulate him. And for that, I'm going to ask that you support him because this man knows his shit from split systems to evaporatives to whole house all whole house ducted tailored systems to suit your needs. Dylan is your guy from DGS Southwest. Now, you can find Dylan on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. You can find all of those links right in the description below, or you can call him directly on his mobile and speak to the man. Speak to the bloody legend himself, right? Now, get a pen and paper because I'm going to rattle off his number. It's 0407 719 208. Okay, so that's 0407 719 208. Give Dylan a call and say, Hey, Dylan, Jake from the Black Ink podcast sent me. He said you're a good bloke. He said you're the man to speak to about aircons. So uh, show us what you're worth. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to giggle because he knows he bloody can. And he will. He'll show you what he's worth. He'll get around there and he'll condition your air from warm, stale, stagnant heat to beautiful, silky crispy refrigerated air that's going to leave you, your family, your loved ones, your animals, everything, even your indoor plants feeling better, living a better life, brother. You understand? And that's all DG Air Southwest. So give Dill a call today. Let's go. All right, up next, we have my man Brant from BRL Maintenance. He is your home handyman guy. He is a specialist. He is a professional. You understand? This guy does all the jobs that you either don't have the time or skill to do. He comes around while you're at work, while you're home, whatever you need, and he gets these jobs done. I'm talking hanging doors. I'm talking patching walls and ceilings. I'm talking tiling work and all those nitty gritty jobs around the house that you just can't get around to. You need a trusted source of skill and support and Brant from BRL Maintenance is your man, okay? If you're looking for someone to get these jobs done around the house, give Brant a call. You can call him directly on his number on, ready? Pen and paper again, 0480-331-392. And if you don't want to talk to someone on the phone because you're pussy and, and you know, things are scary these days and no one has interpersonal skills, just hit him up on Facebook. Just say, hey man, I don't want to talk to you on the phone. Oh man, I'm making this sound horrible, all right? If you don't want to talk to Brandt on the phone, you can just hit him up on his Facebook page and the link for his Facebook page is in the description below. Brandt is your guy for home, handyman and maintenance needs. Thanks, Brandt, and thanks for supporting the podcast.
Rightio, last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, we have Always Garden Nursery, and you know how much I love these guys. They had a pop-up store inside of my winter-spring release a couple of months ago. They're good dudes. I enjoy going there just for the chill. It's even better that you're surrounded by absolutely amazing uh, flora and fauna. Is it fauna? Flora? Flora is plants. Fauna is animals. Regardless, you're surrounded by greenery. You're surrounded by life. It's always such a fresh and uh, energizing feeling every time I visit always. And apparently, homeboys just fit out an entire bunch of misters in there. So on those really hot, sticky days, you walk them through there, and it's just gonna be, it's gonna be like as you walk through the pearly gates and enter heaven. The plants, there'll be David playing his violin in the corner, a, a subject to him owning a violin. I don't know if he does or not. The point is, Always Garden, Always Garden Center is an absolute paradise and they encourage you to make your own paradise. That's what you can do because they give you access to such a broad range of plants that you can then take home, whether they're indoor, outdoor, out the front, out the back, whatever you want, it's your choice. And if you don't have the bandwidth to make those choices, they also offer a landscaping service, which is where they come and see your area. They do point you in the right direction. They can even do the complete install and fit out of all of those plants for you, completely removing all of that stress off your back. So if you're in the mood to get some more life in your life, to green up your experience, go see the guys at Always Garden Nursery. Always Garden Nursery. I was going to say center at the end there, but I don't believe there's a center. Now, if you're wondering where Always is, which a lot of people do wonder where it is, Farmer's Market, right? You go Farmer's Market towards the roundabout, not towards a, not towards a highway, towards a roundabout. You turn right and you follow that big dog leg right around the back and that's where Always is. It's Bunbury's best kept secret, all right? Even if you're not in the mood to spend money on plants, go for the hang, go for the walk around, go to just de-stress, slow down, declutter. Go see the guys at Always Garden Nursery and tell them that Jake from the Black Ink Podcast sent, sent you. Woo! Radio, let's get to the podcast. This is a good one today, guys. Jason from Enhanced Cleaning. Let's go. So do you go into podcasts with an idea of how you're gonna how you're gonna talk and No, it's do? the worst thing you could do, I think. I, I think, think my my whole structure for doing a podcast is I'll think about a topic all day. Yeah. And then at the end of the day I'll go and speak about it. Okay. I've kind of already had that conversation in my own mind. Reverse it though. So what that is to me is you're thinking about something that you're passionate about and that's easy to just yeah. roll with. Just bang, 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 bang. So I had uh, a really good example is I had this situation with, uh, I don't want to talk about it too much because I'm going to do a solo pod about it, but I had this situation where I had a really kind of unfair situation happen with the police and it's resolved itself really well. Like I've been apologized to and compensated mm -hmm. and all the rest, but because I'm so passionate about this topic, I'm excited to talk about it on camera and I won't, I don't have to think about the, the series of events or why it happened or who was involved because I know from telling the story to my friends and my family, I'm like, oh, this thing's set in stone <laughs> and I'm excited to tell you about it. So it's not, and I feel like if that's the case, if I go in there, I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna position the story like this and I'm gonna make myself the antagonist this way and rah, rah. that's when you start going too analytical. That's and exactly it, what I do. Yeah. I, I just think about something, I'm like, that sounds like a good podcast episode. And then I'm talking about the things in my own head and then by the time I've kind of gone to record it, it's yeah. all very manufactured. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, when you're practicing in the mirror, what you're going to say to the yeah. girl at school that day and you get there and you're like, hey, hey, <laughs> you know, I feel like it, it comes from me being such a perfectionist and we'll talk yeah, about that yeah. in the business as well, because I'm sure you are as well. Yeah. Yeah. But even with a podcast, I feel like it just has to be perfect. Dude, I'm like hundred no, no pauses, skips, no ums or buts or ifs. So authentic, authenticity speaks louder 
than perceived value. I've found that. Yeah. yeah. Like people, and you know what? I've even found this with reels is that people like reels that are poorly crafted over ones that are fine-tuned. Well, in my TikTok, the, the videos that have done the worst are the ones that took the most effort. Yeah, yeah, how annoying is it? Yeah. And then you post a throwaway that's nothing and it does super well. Yeah. You know, like you said, have you ever posted one of those ones where it's like, um, put this over, put this sound over the, your most recent video? Yeah, and it gets like a million views. And you're like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> how, why does that happen, yeah. you know? But it just seems to be, and then as we're talking about the AI-generated um, clips from podcasts, where you just literally upload the URL from YouTube, and it goes, "Sweet, we've listened to it all, processed it all. Yeah. Here's the top ten. Here's here's ten thirty-second clips in order of which ones are most likely to go viral and the reason they're going to go viral. It's going even further than that now. You can just do the audio, and then AI will generate a video from scratch. Have you seen that video of the of the car on fire? Yeah, AI. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So now, there's so many ways you can look at this. You go like the obvious thing is like, okay, we're stuffed, right? Because you're never going to know what's real and what's not real. Yeah. You know, on top of that, okay. Well, I heard I heard someone say something interesting is that historians of the past, uh, what did they say? They say they're trying to prove what really happened, and then historians of the future are going to try to disprove things that happened. Well, they're going to be trying to prove, you know, that they're trying to cut out all the fake oh. stuff. Because we have so much fake media yeah. and so much, you know, all that stuff. Whereas people of the past, they're just trying to uncover things and then in the future, they're going to try to yeah. shut things to the side and figure out what was real and what wasn't. I think also we're doing that now as well. Mm. I think we're already there because, I mean, I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole you get, but... Man, I go pretty deep. It's, it's <laughs> annoying how much stuff that, like... It, to to as simple as like celebrities talking about the the like the conversations and deals they've done with Hollywood, you know, and in quotations the devil to get the fame that they've got, saying like I'm not that talented, I just signed this shit in blood and now I've got all this, and you're just like, well, hang on, if that's real, then did we build the pyramids? And if we didn't build the pyramids, then what's the deal with the lost city of Atlanta? Oh, you can just keep going and going. Right. That, yeah. What are we doing? You know, and then it's like quite quite apparent that there probably is aliens and they've probably been here in abundance forever and if that's the case then what is all this that we're doing this five sensory experience we have as humans thinking that we're doing it right because we're in business and we have some sort of yeah. freedom we don't have any freedom well the the government in america especially they have covered things up in a weird way that makes you kind of think a bit yeah um it is interesting to see how it all unfolds yeah and especially, now we're living in a time where it's like yeah. the information starts to come out just at the time that digital information is becoming so easily manufactured. Look, the, the whole simulation theory doesn't seem too far-fetched nowadays. That's all I can say. Okay, I'll ask you this question because we're very similar. We're both young, pr lived very similar lives as far as like, how old were you when you got your first mobile? Oh, I was old. Right? I was like 15. Right, same. Really? Yeah. How old are you? 22. Okay, wow, that is old. I'm 30. So I was really? 16. I was... 15 or 16. This guy does not look 30. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. I hit puberty like four weeks ago. That's why. <laughs> but uh, as far as like, I, I've thought about this. I think I'm pretty perfectly timed in that. I was young enough to grow up on the street with no phones and all the rest. And then still young enough when they came about to actually still be neuroplastic enough to learn yeah. them really effectively and be That's in That's a fair point as well, because a lot of the older people of this generation are struggling with tech. No idea. I didn't, I didn't have any... I didn't have any real um, exposure to tech until I was older. Right. My parents kind of sheltered me from that. Brilliant. And now that my sisters, I have sisters now and they've had phones since they were like eight. Yeah. So 
And my parents' excuse is that, you know, the world is changing and things aren't different. Uh, things are different to back then, but back then kids, kids at 10, 11 still had phones. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of evolved a little bit. Well, dude, this, uh, you know, go, going back to the, the original question here, I see it as we've had very similar experiences and now we're in a position where we're like, I'm, I know you're, well, I said this off camera just before, you're a couple of steps ahead of me in business. You know, you've formed more of a, an established, an established set of systems, I guess and you've allowed yourself or afforded yourself particular freedoms, right? So now with this excess time and this excess energy that you have because you're not working nine to five, you're not trying to cram in a social life in 10 hours a week and we're doing this at three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon because we can, yeah. right? You look at things like simulation theory and it actually makes a little bit more sense in that you realize there are like some rules out there, universal rules that if you follow, you know, very, very closely, you can actually unlock things that seem kind of impossible. It, it has me jaded a bit because I was brought up Christian, like my family's very Christian. Mm -hmm. and so I was brought up on Christian values and morals and teachings. And then as I get older, I start to question these things. Mm. And then I'm seeing what's going on in, in the world around me. Um, and I start asking questions to my family. I'm putting questions to them about, you know, what's going on and what the Bible says and what they believe. And it's really difficult for me to kind of stay on that track. Yep. Um, even just seeing what's going on in the world with like, you know, Gaza and Israel, Palestine. Yeah. It's very, very hard to believe or it's, it's easy to question the existence of a God. You know what I mean? Do and you then, still practice Christian belief now? What do you mean by practice? Uh, I, mean, I, I, still, I still believe that there is a God right. and it's the Christian God. Yeah. I don't go to church much. So I think there's a, you, have, you can have belief, faith and practice, right? So my, my, my whole ideology is that if God is real and I believe that and I go to heaven, mm -hmm. then that's a net positive for me. Right. If I, if I don't believe that God is real and he is real and heaven and hell is real and I die and I go to hell because I didn't believe, that's a net negative for me. Yeah, but I and think I, even that belief there, you're, it's still in a, a, a selfish intention. It, it is. It's like, you, I want to make sure that if there's something after it's, this... It's almost like having a shoulder to lean on because I think about it like this, when, when your loved ones pass if you think they're going to a better place then that kind of softens the blow and makes you yeah, feel better about it. 100%. And I've asked my friends who are, who are atheists and they, they don't believe in God, I'm like, well, how do you deal with death? Yeah. If, if you think that people just cease to exist. And the switch and just it, flicks it off. It just seems a bit more depressing. Right, okay, so let's go beyond that. Let's say that God isn't this figure in the sky that watches down on everything. Let's say that this, the simulation, for example, reality is a program, right? The program has rules. If you turn left, you go left. You press right, you go right, right? And within that, God is actually the creator, the programmer, the coder, the person who made the code for us to live within as NPCs, yeah. AI agents, you're right? So now that puts a like new kind of structure in place. Now, because we've given it this terminology of being a program, which kind of makes it feel like it's a computer, which makes it feel like it's non-biological, you go, okay, this isn't at all a, a Christian way of looking at things. It's like, no, 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 this is just a new perspective on the same set it's, of rules. It's just a metaphor for the same thing, yeah. Correct. And in that sense, God, the creator, whatever you want to call it, there is definitely a higher power. And in that, to have faith in that is like, for me, it's exactly what you're talking about. Mm. It's a shoulder to lean on. It's like, I'm not alone. You know, I'm not by myself trying to figure this thing exactly. out. Exactly. That's why when bad things happen, Christians pray. They say, pray for this person, pray yeah. for me, pray for whatever. Yeah. It's just a shoulder to lean on. And um, if you look at the, the societal outcomes as well, the cultural outcomes, mm -hmm. Christianity is always ranked number one. 
just in terms of how how Christians turn out and how they go about their lives. Yeah. Um, the the way that they're brought up, especially how I was brought up, it's brought me up to be where I am now, which is yeah. like I don't even drink. I've never done drugs. Um, I've stayed on just a tunnel vision for the the path I'm on the path I'm on now. Yeah. And it's just made me very disciplined. Yeah. Um, it's made me very honest and accountable. Uh, and I think those I'm very grateful for for my parents instilling those values and beliefs in there. 100%. Um, but now I'm like, I'm at the age where I'm starting to, to question things and it's yeah, it's a bit overwhelming sometimes. You know, there's uh, the three stages you have to go through with your father and this can be your actual father or I feel in, in the same way, like, you know, the father is you idolize, demonize and then humanize. Yeah. And I think that, I say that's applicable to your father because you know, I've been through that where like my father was like my idol and then I went through a stage where I'm like who the fuck is this guy why'd you you know what, what are you even talking about you're not my dad and now I'm like he's just a guy who had a kid and I'm the kid you know and I think the same way I was raised religious I was raised Christian I, yeah. I feel like I've been through that process with religion I got to I thought you know it was the be all and end all and then I was like Wait, all of this just seems to be a book that's been translated 2,000 times through all these different dialects, through all these stories that make no sense, that aren't contextual with the way we live now. What are you talking about? To now I go, oh, okay, maybe there wasn't an actual separation of the sea. Yeah. Okay? But the metaphorical the story yeah. that it's telling me, I can draw from that and I can apply it to situations I'm going to be in now. As, a, yeah. you know, living through 2023 as a 30-year-old. Yeah, and that, that's why I, I appreciate the way I was brought up. Mm. And I'm, I'm grateful for it, and I'm still I still identify as Christian. I still I still like to think I'm Christian. Yeah, I don't know what God thinks of things I've done or yeah, what I yeah. think, but um, I think it's I think it's a good way to live your life. And I think a lot of successful people in business, especially a Christian, mm. that I know, it seems to be people who are super successful tend to get more religious the more yeah, successful it's, they it get it seems like that's the natural progression of any sort of entrepreneur is that you go from wanting the money and then you want the better health yeah. and then you kind of look more spiritually within yourself and you go from the money to the health to the what comes after this life yeah so where would you say you're at where you're at in that stage i think i'm sort of at the, the stage where i'm thinking more about my health now yeah because in the beginning, I thought that all I cared about was money and I just needed to make money to sustain myself. And then after I was able to sustain myself, I'm like, well, I want to get to the next level, which is where I can like, you know, buy whatever I want and not have to worry. Mm -hmm. But then I just realized that it really doesn't matter, the money side of things. Yeah. I don't need to have anything. But what I really love doing is just growing my business. Yeah. It's like, it's like one big game to me. I love seeing the numbers go up. Yeah. I love new people coming in. I love the experiences they have with us. I love yeah. getting messages from clients and staff saying Stoked how happy they are. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't care about the money anymore. So I'm more just looking to give other people opportunities. And I kind of want to live like vicariously through people yeah, and yeah. experience the same success or the same uh, emotions that I felt when I started to gain success. And so I kind of feel like with Stacy, who's my operations manager now in the business, um, I'm giving her a lot of opportunities and you know, much higher pay um, and just seeing how much that's affecting her and it's changing her yeah. that makes me feel good about myself and yeah. it is a selfish thing because I like to I like to feel these things yeah that's why we do charity yeah exactly and um, it's just the money just is like a distant memory to me now yeah and I so, think that that should and I don't know because I'm like I'm not in a super comfortable position I'm like in a comfortable-ish position but I but think you're also someone who knows that you will be good Oh yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. It's around the corner. Yeah. Like I know it's right there. And I, I think, always knew that too. Even when I was making, you know, I think I made $40,000 in my first year. I knew that it was going to get to where it is now. Yeah, yeah. 
it's and it's it's actually funny you know like i feel that confidence people feel that confidence around you you know like the people who i have in my business now it's like if i look on paper what they're betting on on paper it's just like fuck man this is just a whim yeah but i know and i think this is a leadership trait as well through acting the way that I act and showing up before and after they're here and they know like, you know, when you come in tomorrow, I've been working four or five hours last night to make sure we're set up for today. It's like, oh, we're betting on the on the winning it's, horse. It's a lot of pressure on you as well because you know that you are gonna have stress and you are gonna have your own problems, but you kind of have to leave them at the door yeah. when you go into the business and you need to put on a, a face yeah. and a facade for, for the people around you because it isn't just you anymore. Mm. And the same with me, I've got a lot of a lot of staff now and I know I need to show up for them and, and continue to grow the business and create more opportunities and growth because um, especially as we grow, more and more responsibility is being thrown on me, yet yeah. I'm trying to kind of separate myself more from the business and have more time off. Yeah. So it's like, a, it's a kind of weird trade where I should be spending more time on the business because it's getting to that point where it's more important and it needs me more now, now than ever before. But I've been going for three and a half years nonstop and I just kind of want to hit the brakes a bit. Yeah. So it's that kind of weird stage in the momentum where it's it's about to tip over in terms of like, we've got all the systems in place, we've got all the right people. Yeah. We can just take this thing to the moon wherever and whenever we want. Yeah. But it's just a question of what I want to do. Yeah. And But I need to think about what Stacy wants to do, what our staff want to do. Yeah. And so you just need to, just need to wake up every day with, that purpose knowing that you've got other people to to strive for tell me like tell me if this is uh relevant to your experience so far i feel like you you constantly as a business owner and we're in a very similar position you take a risk and it pays off yeah and you you're like okay cool that risk i'm happy with and then the next risk you take has 10 percent more in it and it pays off and then you go 10% more than that. And it's always a small amount more, but because the size yeah. of it is, it's actually compounding that risk amount. Exactly, because the things you're doing now, you probably wouldn't have done when you started. No. It's the same with me. Like I'm, uh, I'll spend $10,000 on a course or a program right now. And that's that's whatever to me, because I know it's going to help me further on, but I would yeah. not have done that when I started my business. Yeah. So it's like, it is, it is as you say, these things compound. And um, as your income and your capacity to earn grows over time, yeah. your exposure to risk becomes higher as well. Yeah, because I'm a very risk averse person at at heart, just yeah. by nature. I don't like I don't like putting up much risk. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like natural progression of a business owner is you put more and more risk up. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's it's not risk because it's it's like an educated guess. Whenever you do something, every yeah. time every time I'm sure you make a decision in your business, you know with 90% certainty what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. Or, to, or to what other, you want that outcome yeah. to direct. To, but to, to other people out. on the outside or even on the inside, it may seem like a big punt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's this hat press. Yeah. You know, I've got a $200 hat press that on paper does the same thing as what this does. And that's a $3,000 hat press. And like trying to explain to a yeah. few of my, you know, business friends and mentors is like, oh, I'm going to do this. And they're like, but why wouldn't you just use that a hundred times? And if you, I mean, you can replace that 16 times before you have to buy that. It's like, yeah, yeah, but, but the longevity of this is like, if I'm gonna do 10,000 hats in the next two years, I need that machine, you yeah. know? Notice how much you're talking about numbers as well. A lot of business is just math. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, this Business, if you really boil it down to it, it's really just boring numbers. Yep. So, um, and I hate numbers, because I... Really? I, I always struggle with it in school. I, I was really bad at math, and I, I dropped out when I was pretty young as well. Yeah. Um, so numbers has never been my strong suit. 
and like we don't do any projections in the business we don't we don't have like budgets or anything but that being said I do know how much it costs for me to get a customer yeah I know how much it costs to train our staff I know how much we make per hour per staff because that's like essential in, in any business those are just fundamentals yeah and so when you know these numbers you can make decisions like buying that hat press or, or investing in uh, a new floor polisher which can be five to ten thousand dollars and it I just think, boils down to numbers right the projections is also an intuitive thing as well because you start going like well I've got X amount of clients who bring in an average of this much per annum right and I know that all I need to do is maintain this growth or even 50% of this growth the projection doesn't matter I'm still going to be so much past where I have to be to maintain anything I mean just know? look back on your business are you if, if we were to make a graph of your growth is it just like this? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. It keep, And the pitch keeps getting higher. Every time I feel like I'm stuck or I'm slowing down or I'm going backwards, I just look like six months before this, I was making $100,000 yeah. less. I'm yeah. like, I would be so I would be so happy six months ago to be in the position I'm in now. Yeah. And then I know I'm going to think about this six months from now. It's like, I'm, if I just look at it, it's just always going up. Doesn't that play with your mind a little bit when you think that like, because right now, you, you know the movie Chopper? I don't actually. Oh, yeah. is that is that the, the Australian yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I and there's a scene in there with Neville Barthels. Yeah. He's like, look at me, mate. I'm fucking flying. Yeah. That's, that is me at the moment. I feel yeah. like, dude, I'm fucking killing it. I got staff, all the rest. But I know in six months time, I'm going to be in a commercial spot. I'm probably going to have two, three more staff. We're going to have systems in place that means that I can handle not just like uniform packages, but major clients on a subscription-based service where they've got, say, a thousand staff and they all have five shirts at any one time and they get new uniforms every four months. I know that that's going to be the language that we're talking in six months and it plays with me now because <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm king shit. And by yeah. lunchtime, you're like, we got a, we got a ways to go. And by dinner time, after dinner, I'm in here just hustling because I'm like, I it's, got somewhere to be. It's such a weird journey in business as well because in university, like you've got a set curriculum and course plan and stuff and yeah. you know that you complete these um, subjects and assessments and stuff um, and then at the end of it you'll be whatever an optometrist or a pharmacist yeah in business it's like we don't really know how to get to where we want to be we have right. a rough idea but there's just so many random things that happen on the way there and then yeah. one day you kind of wake up and you're like oh I'm here yeah yeah and then even then as I say you wake up and you think I'm here and then by lunchtime you're like oh actually uh, you know, like this morning I had um, mum call me and she's like, you've got to do your bass. You've got to do your bass. You know, and it's all of a sudden I have to shift my, my attention from like, right, how do I optimize this new thing that's on the way that I can make sure that like, right, we've got orders backed up, ready to go. I've got this, that and the other. Now it's like, now let's shift that focus over to what are all my books doing? Are everything in line? What do I need to do between now and going to the accountant? And all of a sudden it's like this whole new world of problem solving then opens up in this new sector. And then next week it's going to be whatever it's going to be. So I think like in one way, like I, I was saying this off camera as well, like this past month, I feel like business has actually started. Like now I've got something to talk yeah, about. No, if you, I can definitely see that just looking at your, your Instagram and seeing what things you're up to as well. And just the yeah. energy that you're giving off in, in your posts, it's like, okay, he's, he's where he wants to be and he's going where he wants to mm. go. Isn't that funny how, how transparent that is to other business owners? Yeah. You know? It's, it's very obvious to, to me just seeing how, how, how you're speaking and, what you're up to which is like i know he's on that path interesting yeah. you know what's crazy is you're fucking eight years younger than me <laughs> i had no idea you were 30 man that's crazy <laughs> well i'm 31 in a month's time so i'm I actually a little no bit idea. older so this is going to be hard for some people to listen to in and out of business whether they're just a you know normal uh job 
you know, occupant or whether they have a business of their own. How do you feel, this is a hard question to answer, but how do you feel being 22 and in the position that you're in? I've thought about this a lot, especially when I meet people who are in business and, and the first thing they say is, wow, you're so young. Mm. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's why it's been so easy for me. Yeah. Like I've never had mouths to feed. I've never had bills to pay when I started my business. And it was just so much easier for me because I, I didn't make any money for the first three months. Yeah. If someone has a family of five and they've got it's not an option. rent, they can't do that. Yeah. It's like being younger makes it easier. Yeah. I feel like people need to flip the script a little bit and realize that. Because yeah. we, need, we need to respect the people who are older, who are like that, that third part of their life and they've, they've just come out of a job and they need something and they make it work. And that's like, that's really admirable. That's gangster. What I did isn't anything special. Yeah. I had so many chances to get it right and I finally did and it's paid off and that's great. But um, being young, that, that's why I feel like... Um, that's why I feel like I don't have all this weight on my shoulders because I kind of recognize that I was very fortunate to, yeah. to know this at a young age and then give it a go and, and it's panned out the way it has. I think um, having youth on your side as well, because I was in business at your age as well. I was obviously had a coffee van, which yeah. was Black Ink as well, um, which to be very honest with you, for four years, I made enough money to live plus $1 a week. You know, I, I borrowed a certain amount of money to get in and when I sold the business, I came out at zero. You know, I, yeah. there was no real, I, I lived the whole time and I saw it came out at zero. I think the biggest thing that you have, especially in your, in the first half of your twenties is agility, you know, well, like just, just everything, even because when, when you learn things, the younger you are, the, the easier it is to master those skills. Yeah. Like I played soccer when I was younger and even to this day, even though I haven't played in like six, seven years, I'm still really good. Yeah. The muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so when you can get into business at a young age, it kind of, the muscle memory even in your brain kicks in early on. Yeah. And it's much easier for you for you to remember things, to grasp different concepts like things like accounting and yeah. systems and sales. And so that's why I always tell people like what's what's the one piece of advice you would give to anyone is just start right now. Like Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The best time. You got the idea? Sweet. Yeah. Do it. Exactly. Today, do it. What can you do I, today? I, I see people even in the cleaning space because I have a lot of cleaners who are messaging me now from TikTok and stuff. It's like they're telling me they have this idea and they've been pondering it for months or they've got like a business plan in place. I'm like, I never did any of that. I just had an idea and I did it. Yeah. And like, I didn't, I didn't make any money for three months, but I built up a wealth of knowledge and experience yeah. from failing and finding out what didn't work and what did work. And then in the next nine months, I made, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. It's crazy. Is that made or turned over a hundred thousand? That, that was turnover. And like, I, I ran a lot of stuff through the business. So it only ended up being like 40 or 50 net. Um, that's nuts though yeah I mean technically it could have been close to 100,000 net if I oh your to. cost of goods is fuck all yeah yeah. My, yeah. My, big, my biggest expense is wages yeah I think last month we didn't even spend any money on supplies because we've already had everything stocked up yeah but then this month we, we spent a little bit so um, that's what I love about my business I'm, I'm a very simple guy I love simple numbers the more money we make if, if we're making this money then our expenses are like this. Yeah. There's never any sort of overlap with our expenses and income because yeah. if, if we're making less money, then our expenses go down as well. Yeah. Whereas in a, in a restaurant, if you've got a lease that's 10K a month and you're making less yeah. than 10K a month, you're screwed. Are you in a commercial space? No. Okay. We, don't, we don't have an office anyway. How do you, how do you store all your goods? Just in a, a storage unit or a shed. Wow, okay. In, in Bunbury, it's all run out of my shed. In Perth, we've got a storage unit and in the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, we have a storage unit there as well. It's like right. 130 bucks a week or something. Crazy. Yeah. 
Wow. And that's that's our entire business. We don't need an office because... You don't even need to insure your shed because it's just cleaning supplies. Yeah. It's like if you get knocked off, you're like, oh, I'll spend five yeah, grand to restock it. The only it. insurances we have are the public liability, workers comp, and uh, I've got something called manager's insurance, which is where if, if you have a large team of staff, uh, my broker recommended that I get this, which is like it protects you from getting sued by employees, ex-employees. Okay. So how many staff do you have at the moment? 20-something. Right. Get it, getting close to 30 across the board. How do you go managing the interpersonal relationships with these staff? How, like, especially the culture of those staff? What do you, what do you deal with there? Well, I, it comes from day one when we hire someone. We're very selective with who we hire. Yeah. And then uh, with the onboarding process, we train staff for like two weeks. And we invest a lot of money in those two weeks, but there's just no other cleaning companies really doing that. Yeah. And so especially um, when someone comes from a different cleaning company into ours, they're really amazed by the sort of um, systems that we have yeah. and the, the, the way that we nurture new staff. Um, so I think a lot of it just comes from that, like their initial experience with us. And exposure to, yeah. to the business. Like we, we never have any real confrontation with staff. We never have any issues. If they break something, they tell us straight away because they know that we're gonna be cool about it. Yeah. And so it's like this open door policy where they know that we're never gonna talk down on them. Reprimand or, them for yeah, an exactly. accident. Yeah, exactly. And so we've kind of just, we kind of just made that culture by accident, just by being nice people, as funny yeah. as it sounds. Like there's, there's a lot of nasty bosses out there. And I've employed a lot of people who have come from jobs where they've just had the worst management. And it's like, if, if, we, just, if we just cultivate that and if we just, if we just incorporate humanity into our workforce. Yeah, just goodness, hey. Yeah, and, and we pay them well, we treat them well, then we're gonna have great staff who do great work and therefore bring us more customers so we can employ more staff. It's like this, it's just this big pinwheel that keeps turning itself man i'm finding uh because obviously in our position you try and find mentors people that you can yeah. especially just like to be able to sit down it's with hard someone. to find especially when you're into your journey it's hard to find the right mentor it's yeah. really easy early on because you don't know anything yeah but then you've been in business for how many years now or including the coffee van like yeah, eight nine years exactly and so you've already built up this wealth of experience and knowledge and yeah. it's hard for someone to come in and kind of tell you what you should and shouldn't do and Dude, try to change your beliefs. I've got one person who's like two years older than me, Jordan Jam friend from um, Mode Health. And he's done, Mode Health is a medicinal marijuana yeah. clinic. He's been involved, like he's worked for universities. It's a he's, booming industry now. Dude, he has had his finger in every pie and coincidentally, mm -hmm. he's also made clothes and had a brand and had a clothing shop yeah. as well. So his contextual reference for me is unbelievable. Now, him aside, the majority of people that I talk to as in air quotes mentors, right? And I call them mentors because they're business people. Yep. The, the skills they have, especially interpersonal skills, are so sharp that it's annoying because I purely believe in like, if you had a brand and you need some advice from me on how to build it or how to make clothes or whatever, like come around, I'll teach you for free. I'll help you with the Instagram. That's, but, that's the kind of mentality I have dude, as well. Dude, the old school just want to stab each other in the back. I found that too. What's there's, that? Um, there's someone who I'm not going to name, but she's very big figurehead in the cleaning space in Australia. Yeah. She's got one of the biggest coaching platforms and she is just like, every time I give advice, like even the, the smallest bit of advice on my TikTok, she comes after me and tells me we can't be doing that because we're too saturated. It's, it's too competitive and we can't be giving out advice for free. But what's competitive? The, the market apparently, but I'm, I help out people all the time. People yeah. just DM me and... There's one guy who we've been DMing back and forth for like two weeks. He just asked me like a hundred questions a day and I answer them. Yeah. And he's like, dude, I'm, I can't believe you're answering all these questions. He, he like keeps apologizing for it as well. I'm like, 
I wish I had something like that when I started. Yeah, this is the same thing I had with Jordan. I ran into him after like not speaking to him for two weeks. He's like, what happened to you? I'm like, oh man, I, I didn't want to annoy him. He goes, you're not annoying me. Just ask me. Like if you have a question, ask me the question. It's, it's you know? fun. It's fun as someone who's further along the journey to help people who are starting out because you know how they're feeling and you right. know what they're about to experience. And then you, this is what you're experiencing now is like I'm now having people message me, ask me questions and I'm like, oh wow, the snake yeah. eats its tail. Okay, cool. Yes, here's what I think you should do. Here's what I would do if I was you. Here's, here's something for free, you know? like That's only going to keep compounding and then as, as you get bigger, it's going to get to the point where you're going to have to charge yeah. all this advice because you've just got too many people asking. Do you actively, so we were talking a little bit before we started about um, kind of the depth of my, my uh, reach and network here in Bunbury. Do you focus much on finding time to sit down with other business owners and community leaders in Bunbury at all? No, never. Really. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, I've found that to be, because that's really hard to justify, 9.30 in the morning to sit down and have a coffee with a stranger. Yeah. But every time, it gives me business. Look, every time. The, the networking side of the business is something that I haven't given much time or thought. Yeah. I'm just the kind of person who sits behind the computer and puts it all together. Yeah. That kind of plays out in the real world. What's your biggest strength in business, do you think? Definitely the systems. Right. Just any, anything to do with a computer, anything that's something that makes the business run but you never see it. Um, just even if you look at our website, you see the website but what you don't see is the whole back end of it which is all the, the structure of it, the, the form system that we have which takes people down a very strategic path in order to get a quote. Yep. Um, the back end where we have the training, the, the LMS, the learning management system, it's just all like hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of careful creation and management and that's 100% undoubtedly my strength. Right. And so I've got I got weaknesses. My main weakness is people. I'm not great at the HR side of business, but now yeah. I have someone who's great at it. And since I brought her on, business has just gone yeah. crazy. You only have to work on communicating with her, yeah, and let her like filter the the hundred arms out into hundred people she has to talk to. And it kind of changed my perspective on business a little bit because I really thought that the systems meant everything. Yeah. What I didn't realize is the systems only get you so far. You need the right people. Yeah, there and may be instead, another. Yeah, instead of building this, instead of building people around a system, getting systems built around people. I think it meets halfway. Yeah. Because as I said, a business started for me a month ago. I started building systems a month ago. Up until you, then. So do you feel like the the customer acquisition has gotten better and bigger? Because I feel like the with the customer side of your business, the systems mean everything. Right. But so then with I, the people, it's it's less about that and more just about culture and. Yeah. I think the ability to, this sounds bad, I'm going to try and word it right, but the ability to like squeeze as much value out of each customer as possible is maximized by a good system. So yeah. before, like you might come to me and say, oh, I need five shirts. It's like, oh yeah, cool. You know, we'd go back and forwards on DMs and all the rest. Now it's like, by the end of the conversation, I fully expect to be able to sell you five shirts, five polos, five hoodies for a, for a deal and some stickers to make you feel good about it. And you've spent four times what you thought you were just purely because in that same amount of time, I can get more information from you and give you more information back. And in doing so, the customer is more happy. Yeah, and, yeah, 100%. And at the same time, you're making more money, which means you can grow the business more, which means you can serve more people. Right. So right. When, when, you're, when you're not trying to sell people more, you're doing yourself and your customers a disservice. Correct. So a lot of people have that weird mentality where it's like they don't want to charge more or they don't want to upsell or recommend things. Yeah. And it's, it's really hindering the growth of them because 
customers, if, if they're doing business with you, they want to do business with you. Especially B2B. Yeah. B2B. B2B, yeah. Dude, and um, now with the new uniform with Outfit Co., which is obviously purely based around uniforms, uniforms are an essential element of every business and businesses have to spend money on it. And it's like, if I can make your business optically look better with a good uniform, how much would you spend on that? Exactly. There is no number. And, you and when, when you have that in mind, if you know that you can just ask a question to your audience or your customer list and make $10,000 extra the next month, like, I oh, know I can send out an email and say, hey, do you want your windows cleaned? Yeah. That'll add like a 10 grand a month revenue to the business. That's crazy. Even, even with the oven cleans, we, um, I did this probably two years ago. We had about maybe 60 clients at the time. I just put out a text message blast um, asking who wants their oven cleaned. And we made like $5,000 extra in the next two weeks. That's crazy. That. And just, of course, just asking a question. That oven clean, I'm guessing, is just a set and forget system as well. Here's yeah. how we do it. It's a three-step I, I had I had one person trained to do it. Um, I had a booklet designed so that they, the customer knew everything that was going to happen. Yeah. The person just went in there. In addition to the regular clean, I did the oven and it was it was really profitable for us as well. Wild. But we stopped doing ovens because I kind of changed the whole model of the business into just focusing on doing one thing, which yeah. is which is the, the weekly and fortnightly cleans that we do. Because that's doing, like our bread and butter. Doing one thing really well yeah. instead of doing 10 things average. Because it makes it makes the experience better for the customer because they're getting a great service because we're so good at it. Makes it easier and cheaper to train the staff because you're not trying to teach them how to do a million things. Yeah. And then... Like my whole philosophy in business is I just want to make things as simple as possible. Yeah. I just want to do one thing. I want to do it really well. Right. And I want so, to make a lot of money from that. Two things. Um, what's your, how many, how many clients do you have at the moment? In Bunbury, I think about 140. Really? So that'll be about 100, 100 or 110 houses a week. Yeah. And then the rest will be offices and uh, bigger buildings and stuff like that. Right, right. That our, would be our, the... Yeah, our biggest client here is the hospital. That's only a recent acquisition for you, isn't it? No, that's they've been with me for a long time since I had two staff. Wow. Yeah, they've been amazing. That's cool as. All right, second question. What's in the tool belt of one of your staff members? What are they taking on site with them? So they have about uh, $700 worth of equipment. They've got the vacuum cleaner, which would be the biggest expense. That's half of that. Yeah. Um, they've got a tool bag that has all the sprays and chemicals in it. They have two IKEA bags full of their microfiber cloths. Okay. They have a mop bucket and a handle. That's that's pretty much it. Wow. That's the whole business. We can run our business out of the boot of a car. Okay. So tell me about your microfiber cloths because that seems to be a um, something that just... Uh, I, I run everything on microfiber cloths, yeah. starting with the coffee van, obviously. you know It's just such an essential. Have you found the perfect mi microfiber cloth and what is it? I certainly have. Uh, it's it's from a place called Microfiber World okay. over east. Yeah. It's about a dollar a cloth if you order in bulk and they're, they're thick. Yeah, they're about forty by forty. They're big cloths. And wow! So that's they're, like, they're pretty big. Yeah, it's um, and they're just amazing. Like we used to use the microfiber cloths from Bunnings, and when you go from that to these ones, it's like night and day. They're so thin. The really? Ones yeah. Okay. They, these ones are amazing. So it, it costs a bit more because we have to buy in bulk. Yeah. It will cost us about three or four thousand dollars a year. Yeah. But the the quality of them is just incredible, and it makes it means we can do better work. Yeah for less time. Dude, this is, um, I was actually having a chat with uh, Luke, the bloke who works for me. I said, tell me this isn't the ideal job for you, right? Imagine you've got a big uh, air conditioned shed that had uh, on a thing like a high pressure cleaner, a vacuum cleaner, and all the tools and all the shit you need to do a really good job detailing cars. You'd never had any phone calls. You could just wear your AirPod Pros so you'd 
like how fucking cool, just having the right tools. Yeah, that's a cool business. Being thing, comfortable. And it's like, I feel like you're in the exact same lane cleaning. It's such a, it's such a like rewarding job if you have the right tools to do it. The whole reason I got into cleaning was because I wanted to give myself a job where I could just be alone and plug something in and just work. Wow, okay. I, it, um, like I say, my, my biggest weakness is people. Yeah. I wanted to start this sort of business because I didn't want to deal with people. Interesting. I just wanted to work by myself and not have to deal with anyone. Um, but it's now grown into this huge thing where I'm dealing with a lot of people. Yeah. And that's because we're impacting so many people, which is a great thing. But it's, it's, it's something that's, it's, it's new for me. So navigating that has been interesting. Yeah. But honestly, it's, I'm, I'm very glad it's happened because it's been such a great personal development journey for me. Of course. So I've gotten a lot better at speaking to people, I've gotten a lot better at sales. I've gotten better at saying no, which is something I had a, a problem doing so early hard. on. So but hard. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's been so valuable to me personally. Like the money's been great, but what it's done for me, um, just mentally and um, just for my own personal development, has been invaluable. I think um, that's a cool thing about business is it's kind of like uh, the apprenticeship of life. You know, like all these things that you learn how to do in your business, then it comes down to Friday night having a conversation with someone, maybe having a drink somewhere, and you can just shoot the shit because you're like, oh, this is I'm not even trying to make money off you. We're just talking right now. You know, it's funny because when you're in those conversations with other business owners where you're not trying to make money, that's that seems to be where you make the most money. Yeah. Tell me about <laughs> it. Tell me about it. They're just like, what do you do? I print stickers and make clothes. Yeah. Really? Oh, man, I need, I need stickers and clothes. Oh, very cool. Can we talk about it on Monday? You know, can we just fucking talk about cars well, and bikes? That's exactly what I did with you. <laughs> yeah. I found out what you did. And I was like, oh, I need stickers. And I Dude, sent, that's sent right. You, I sent you 300 bucks. <laughs> at the fucking, at the young, the young persons yeah. in business, hey. That's exactly what I mean. Dude, yeah. It's, um, hang on. I had another question for you. This, so obviously you kind of answered the question already, but it seems like you could pick up what you're doing. When I say that in the mentality that you bring to the table and basically apply it to anything. Do you feel the, the same? In any sort of business? Yeah. I feel that in a way. There's there's a lot of similarities in every business, I think. Um, the only thing that would differ is sort of how the business is structured from a logistical standpoint. Like if we're a restaurant, we're delivering the service or, or the product in a different way. Yeah. But then everything behind the scenes is very much the same. Yeah. You still have to have the right systems to train people. You've still got to have a very good deliverable. Yeah. You need to, you need to really hone in on that. Um, the marketing, obviously the marketing is the same in every business. Yeah. Just looks different. So I think I could... I think I could repackage what I do for other businesses. Yeah, It's been very easy for home service businesses. I've helped lawn mowers, I've helped window cleaners. Um, that, it's very transferable to those other things as well. But yeah. I think above all, you just need to have the right mentality and the confidence going into any business and you can yeah. take it to the moon. I think uh, the it's very like, hormosy approach in a way where it's like, the he kind of sharpened his teeth on the gym side of things and then got to a point where he's like, oh, I'm actually good at just delivering how to do this, not necessarily doing the thing. Yeah, he spoke about that where he, he was really good at building gyms and he had like five. Yeah. And he was making good money, but then he went to his mentor and asked for advice. And he, he asked what his mentor thought of his business. And he said, it's it's like a it's like a level one opportunity. Yeah. And then almost he's like, how do I go from a level one to a level two or three? And he's like, you need to have scale. It's yeah. like you can't build a hundred gyms. Yep. Like you could, but it would probably take you thirty years. Yep. It's like you need to to package what you've done and give it to other gym owners. Yep. And then he started Gym Launch, made like fifteen million dollars in the first year. Insane. And the rest is history. I feel um, I was having this conversation with Dad, uh, which is similar similar kind of um, 
framework like I had no idea how to do what I'm doing two years ago not even like the slightest idea like I know competently how to use Illustrator and Photoshop and how to use Instagram and, and Facebook and all that and like I really don't market myself I just tell a story of what I'm doing and people dwell on that to go oh you can do this can you do that and I think that whole framework of just going okay if that's the case yeah bring it there you go if that's the case then I'd be like very happy at 35 to go like well I want to start fucking cutting up Porsches and turning them into like RWB spec yeah you know it's like you can't I've had this thing now I'm like sweet this is the apprenticeship and this will make millions this will be huge everyone will know about this in in 10 years time everyone will be like oh Jake the outfit guy of course you know yeah well look 90% of businesses fail after 10 years and you've pretty much already made it past that yeah so yeah, when, when you think about it like that you're already in the 10% yeah that's a cool yeah. feeling hey? <laughs> I don't feel any different yeah. <laughs> I think that's the same as you know uh, this is a very generalized sexist thing to say, but it's like a lot of young girls can't wait for the day that they get married. And then it's like, I wonder if on the night that they get married, whether they feel like, oh, like, oh, I fucking made it. Yes, I'm married now. I can I can chill out. It's like, no, you're still just fucking you. Yeah. And tomorrow you got a ring on. Yeah, look, you know? the idea of everything seems attractive. And then when you, like, in, in my business, I've had so many milestones that I thought I'd reach and I'd feel like I'm on top of the world. Yeah. And there's some times where, like, I had a goal and I passed it six months later and I looked back and I was like, wait, I actually did what I wanted to do like a year ago, but I don't, mm. really, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. It's more about the journey for me. I think it's I think it's probably the same for you. You probably appreciate the journey more than 100%. where you end up. 100%. Especially in your business where it's like, you are telling stories and you created such a, a powerful brand. That's like the most invaluable business journey that anyone can have. Mm. My business is very devoid of that sort of storytelling and and culture and feeling but i still i still have that own story that i've had yeah like my whole come up from nothing to where i am now that's something that i'm very proud of and it's something that i cherish yeah, of course and then you you get to experience that as well and so it's not like when you when you have an idea of a, of a place you want to get to and then you get there it's um when you get there it's like you don't really care about it anymore it's yeah. a weird feeling but then you you look back and you really appreciate the the journey that you took yourself on to get there. Do you do the... So every year I have a bit of a routine around Christmas, New Year. It actually starts on my birthday and finishes around the middle of January. My birthday is 1st of December. But I read Think and Grow Rich every year by Napoleon Hill. I refresh on that, which... Have you read Think and Grow Rich? Great book. Uh, my favorite book by him is Outwitting the Devil. Bro, yeah, it's a follow-up. I read it earlier yeah. this year. We had this conversation when we met each other. Oh, yeah, we I like, that. Yeah, yeah, we have the same... Because to me, uh, Think and Grow Rich is the Bible. It basically explains why prayer works. If you... Say to the world. Some of the most successful people that I've listened to say that they just recite that book word for word every day pretty much. Yeah, Yeah, it is literally my Bible. It's full of handwritten notes from when I first read it three years ago. That's cool. So I go through, I read that every, like I start that on my birthday. usually takes me a month to get through it because you do a chapter a day sort of thing and do all the exercises, blah, blah, blah. I also do a year to myself five years from now and a year to myself five years ago. And it's funny because having this conversation because I actually read this year's letter to myself five years ago. Uh, that I wrote earlier this year and it's fucking heartbreaking. It's really? heartbreaking because I hated myself five years ago and it's like, you're going to go through this failure, this failure and in every different element, you're going to go through a failed relationship, you're going to go through best friends completely yeah. just dropping you and walking away from you and you're going to be hardened by all these different it, things. It's so funny you say that because I thought the exact same way five years ago. Yeah. The, the place I was in because I dropped out of school when I was 14. Wow. And then from 14 to 18, I wasn't really doing anything. Yeah. And when I was around 16, I remember writing some stuff down and I was like, 
pretty much what you're saying now is like you're going to go through all this bad stuff you don't really have a life because you've missed so much school and it's like too late for you to go back but you also kind of need to get something in order so you can make money yeah. it's like i had no idea what i was going to do um and then i started on this business journey and it's like i kind of forgot about all that and then i looked back on it because i found this old this old journal of mine and i looked back and i was like wow i was i was in a bad place bad spot yeah did and I, you, I didn't think it was going to get better did you have any Okay, that was my next question. Yeah. Did you have some sort of intuitive feeling that this was gonna get better somehow? Or did you feel like you were gonna be stuck there? The the business was a means to an end for me. Right. So when I started it, I, I was initially just trying to get a job. Yeah. It was at the start of COVID, so around it was around March twenty twenty. And I was applying for jobs left, right and center. And I probably applied to about a hundred 150 places. Wow. And I got maybe two interviews. It was at Flight Center and Sports Power in Bunbury. Thank God you didn't get them. Yeah. I did terrible in the interview, so it's no wonder. Oh, because you can't talk to people, right? It was, so, it was so bad. I was so so nervous. I had no idea what to say. It was just a, I was a mumbling, stumbling mess. And so no wonder I didn't get those jobs. And then I was like, okay, I can't even get a job. If I want to make money, I've got to start a business. And I was yeah, like, what, what business do I start? And I was like, I've got no money. I've got no skills to build a business around. Yeah. So I was like, it's either lawn mowing, car detailing or cleaning. Interesting. And I settled on cleaning and then... That was just something that was supposed to give me like a good capacity to earn a good income. Yeah, I never really expected it to get to where it is now. I thought I maybe had something there, but just it's kind of blown me away the, the growth it's had. I think if your main goal when you start is I just want to live. I don't want to be popular. I don't want to have heaps of money. I don't want to have this big thing. I just want to be able to live and have a bit of bloody freedom and a choice in what I do. Well, all you have to do is look at drop shipping. Yeah. everyone who gets into that thinks they're going to be making 100k a month in two weeks Yeah, and so they get out as quick as they got in Yeah, but when people like you and me get into business we're getting in with a completely different reason no one goes into a, a house cleaning business thinking that they're going to get rich Yeah, and so when they don't immediately make money they're not dispelled by that they're not going to immediately jump back out because to me like I knew that the ceiling is very low in the beginning of a cleaning business mm -hmm. but what I didn't realize is how much potential it had to scale. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in the, in the first three months when I'm not making any money, I was like, I kind of expected this, but it does it shows signs of promise. Okay. I think also though, you're, you're, um, like you're in a very peculiar situation that you've created for yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the like amount of opportunity that was ahead of you was very kind of small but you went straight towards it and you figured it out along the way. Like there was a, a massive amount of space that just led to earning $60,000 a year for yourself and staying there for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know? It, it was um, it was a very relentless push to get to where, where I wanted to be as well. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm very stubborn uh, by nature and I feel like a lot of people just give up early on. Yeah. And so in the first three months when I'm, I'm beating the pavement for four hours a day, handing out flyers and getting nothing, yeah. a lot of people are just going to jump ship. Yeah. Whereas me, I was like, I have to make this work because I've got nothing else. I've got nothing to fall back on. Yeah. And then after a while, I started to gain momentum and then things started to, sm uh, to snowball. And then before I knew it, I was doing 100,000 a year. Yeah. And kind of, I don't even remember the journey of going from not making anything to making that first 100,000. It's all kind of a blur to me. Yeah. Actually, I, it's funny the, 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 the coincidences of having this conversation, what's happened to me the past 24 hours, but I was talking to mum, my book, bookkeeper on the phone today, and she's like, I was just doing your numbers for last year. Do you know you turned over over 100 last year? And I was like, no, that's fucking, that's, and I, I thought I did about 30 grand last year. She goes, no, you, you, you did over 100. 
and just like you said, yeah. like I hit a goal that I set for myself, didn't realize I hit it, and now we're four months down the track. I said, how much have I done this year? She goes, we've done over half of what you did last year, this first quarter. Yeah. I'm like, oh. That's been the same for me every year. That's crazy. It's funny how similar the numbers are for me. Because um, like the first year I did about 100,000 turnover. Next year, I think I did 400. That's crazy. <laughs> so I'm like, I was like, I was, so like crazy. I was three months into the year and I'm like, holy shit, I've already made how much I did last year. Yeah. And then it just kept going and going like that. And now we're doing well over a million a year across the board. Yeah. It's like, I just don't know, don't know when it's going to stop. Mm. So what is your goal setting process? What is that? Do you pen to paper? Are you a mental or? I, I've always hated pen to paper because mm. it, it came from school because um, I've always had the worst handwriting. You left handed? Yeah. True. I always hate to see my, my writing on a page because it's so bad. Mm. Teachers. Because you smudge in because you go along. Yeah. Well, it's also <laughs> just, I don't know why, but it just looks like a, a four-year-old's handwriting. Yeah. Teachers used to always pick apart my handwriting and ask me if I was pulling the piss of it. But Interesting. I was like, no. um, art was a subject I failed all the time in school. I'm the yeah. least creative person. Bro, so am I. <laughs> so am I. Makes no sense, right? The irony of that is funny. I'm still the least yeah. creative person. I just fucking figured it out, I guess. <laughs> it's the exact same for me. I'm the, I'm the least creative person. Like, I've never had an original idea ever. Yeah. yeah. But I'm really good at putting things together. Yeah. I think like um, I know what looks good and what doesn't. I just can't. I can't really make it look good. I yeah. just know. I think also I try and expose myself to as much. Th- like you can see around here. Like I, I, I like the way the, the 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 letters work on that. I like the way. I like how every Hot Wheel is the same, but it's different. You know, like these university fuck universal encyclopedias. When I saw that, I'm like, I just like the way they look. You know, it's not even that I'm ever going to use them. But then you expose yourself to enough things that you'll see something and go, I can see how black ink can do that. Or I'll see how I can make that. Or a customer comes to me and says, you know, I've got a job at the moment where we want to do this logo rebrand. They're a landscaping business. I'm like, oh, fuck, we're going to make a logo out of rocks. It's going to look like this. We're going to put this word in And it's not because I'm creative. It's because I've had access to so many different elements that putting them together for you and it doesn't always hit. It's almost you know? like it's almost like your own internal scrapbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what's going um, on. Like I draw a lot of inf- inspiration from other businesses. Mm. I saw this business in Adelaide that had a, a really cool, clean logo, and I was like, I'm going to take that. Yeah, I did. I modelled a logo that looked kind of like theirs, but it was it was different. Yeah, um, and that's the logo we have now. It's just a very simple. It's just the words. Yeah. Whereas before we had a really complex logo, um, I thought it was really cool, but then. Like I, I had that whole mindset shift of I just want to make everything simple. So I dropped the, the complexity of the logo, yeah. made it simple. And then I looked back and I was like, wow, my old logo was a mess. Yeah. And so yeah. like as soon as I made everything simpler, things just got easier. I started making more money. I had so much more clarity. Yeah. And the business as a whole became so much better. You know, the rule for logos are the smaller and simpler the logo, the bigger the business. <laughs> that's the fucking like... That, that's that's what I, I realized. I. I think I, I just went out one day and I just looked around at billboards and stuff and I'm like, all these big companies have the simplest logos. It's just text. Yeah. And I looked at I looked at my shirt and it's like, I can't even make out the the, the name. icon. Or the oh, icon okay, yeah. Because it, the embroidery was so bad because it's so complex. Yeah. I was like, this is just a mess. And so I was like, I just need to make something like that that's yeah. just text. Yeah. Because I'm overthinking it to the point where just doesn't look good anymore and it's not really representative of what I want my brand to be and how to be perceived and I'm, and I'm someone who's probably we're probably different in this regard is that I don't think the brand matters much no not at all really not at all the product or service matters exactly. dude my business I, is called I thought, black ink I thought we what's black ink disagree. 
what the fuck? What, what is black ink? Everyone thinks I'm a fucking tattoo artist or a tattoo a tattoo shop. I was like, yeah. nah, dude. Call yourself buttholes. It doesn't matter. It's, it matters well, what I think, you do. I think it still has to be on brand with what you do. Well, again, black ink was a coffee van. Yeah. And I called it black ink because I wanted it to be so... Uh, what's that word that starts with A or I? I want it to be anything. I want Innovative. it to be... Uh, no, it was... Um, I'm thinking ambidextrous. That is not at all the <laughs> word I'm looking for. But I want it to be like if I was... If I went from being a coffee van to a coffee roaster to a coffee wholesaler or went to the ba- the Hessian bags that the coffee came in or the transport, like whatever it was, I needed to needed to be so ambiguous that that was the well, word. That's actually, it's funny you say that because one of my biggest mentors that I used to have, he said, the value is in the ambiguity right. of a business. Yeah. So it's funny you say that. It's the ability to pivot. Yeah. You know, and Black Ink is a brand which has now through the the process turned into a uniform supplier and this is the thing i'm not going to be a uniform supplier forever you know now i've got i you know i put this post up about the hat press in the 30 minutes between putting the, the post up and you arriving i've got six messages asking for hats that's incredible so then you go okay is there a powerful enough arm in the business in 24 hours time if i get 20 messages about these hats well we've got to build a new system to be able to handle those orders and then in six months time have we got four of these and two normal presses and doing mainly hats you know so it's just like, I think the ability to go like, and even you've said it, you know, like, sure, we can clean ovens, sure, we can do windows, but we clean houses. We got a five-step yeah. system, whatever it is, these are the tools you need, These, this is the onboard process, and this is what we do. As soon as we did that, everything became easier, and we made a lot of money. Because mm. um, when, when you're someone who tries to wear too many hats, you you can do well, but you can never really do well beyond yourself. Yeah. Like, I see a lot of other cleaning businesses where it's, it's a one-man show or it's like a husband and wife set up and they just do everything. Like mm. They just say yes to every opportunity that comes their way. And like they make okay money. They probably make, you know, one, 200,000 between them. But that's all it's ever going to be. That's the ceiling. That's the ceiling for them. Mm-hmm. And then with us, like we just smash through the ceiling as soon as we said, okay, we're just going to niche down into this one thing, which is recurring weekly and fortnightly cleaning. Yeah. And it's also such, it's a, it's a much better business model for us because if we get a customer locked in weekly... They're paying us six to ten grand a year yeah. for as long as we have them. Exactly. Whereas, in your business and a lot of other businesses, um, customers you have might not ever come back again. Yeah. And so we have we have a lot of certainty and a lot of predictability with the customers that we have. In that retention yeah. and that longevity. Which is, I love having a recurring revenue model. Yeah. I can't imagine running a business without it. I'd just be scared of all the numbers because I'm not good with those numbers. Yeah. But I can have. It's very easy for me to, to conceptualize it when I have uh, customers who I know are going to be paying me the same amount they are now in 12 months. You've got essentially a subscription model. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, on that note, I live in fucking a world of controlled chaos in that yeah. most of my customers are cold. And if I do get a repeat customer, like I've got a few customers that have got uniforms off me like six or seven times now in the past like 12 months. And that's great because they just call you up like, we need another 20 yeah. hoodies. You're like, it, it, cha- it changes your whole customer acquisition process as well. Because th- this one simple change from going from, for example, doing one-off cleans to saying no to one-off cleans and just doing recurring, yeah. that's the difference in thousands of dollars in ad spend. Because if we, if we spend $40 to get a customer and then that customer only wants a one-off clean for $200, mm. that's only a $150 net positive. Yeah. And we take out expenses and it's like nothing. Yeah. But if we get someone and we spend $200 to get that same customer, but... You keep them for two years. We keep them for two or three years. Yeah. Then we're, then we're like $20,000 in the green. Mm. 
Interesting. So that's why I love the recurring revenue. I love having the same numbers. I love knowing that we have a baseline yeah. that we can build on. I know that even if we don't grow, we're going to be making this much next month. Yeah. And it's um it's so much easier to run the business that way. That's why when people go into into business and like I have a friend who just started a, a moving company, like helping people move out of their houses. Right. And it's like he's asking me for advice. I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I wouldn't get into that business. Yeah, that's what yeah. I told him. I was like, you need to do something with recurring revenue because that's the easiest way to, to scale. He needs to be the guy who supplies the trucks. Yeah. I'll, Go a step above what's going on. We were talking about ads and it's like, they're spending $1,000 a month on ads and they're only in the beginning stages of their business. And right. we're like, how much are you spending? I haven't spent money on ads in two years. I've never spent money on ads. Yeah. And it's when, when you have that sort of business where it's always just one-off leads coming in from all over the place, you just have to be spending thousands of dollars all the time on ads. See, this is like, I, and this is something that I think goes beyond talking on a podcast, but like picking your brain as far as like, I don't want to turn on ads yet because I don't have the systems in place to handle yeah. them when they come, especially those people That's that wise. have never heard of me before. And then now they're getting this first exposure to me. They don't know blacking. They don't know the story. They don't know the value behind it all. I feel like right now I've only got organic like people reaching out like, hey, Jake, can you do this for my business? You've probably heard of us before. I've seen your social skate. I've seen your podcast. I've, I feel kind of lucky that like I've organically had the amount of business that I've had because it's allowed me to grow with the business. Well, the, the way you grow the business is very different to any other sort of business though. So like your strategy should just be to get people in your ecosystem of consuming your content. Yeah. Because then the natural kind of progression of that is they will binge your content, they'll see you every day, yeah. they know what you do just as a byproduct of watching your content and then yeah. they eventually, when the time is right and they need something, they'll come to you for Or their friend says, it. oh, I need stickers yeah. printed, Jake. Or Actually, I had a guy call me today, he's like, oh man, I'd, he, he kind of knew me, but like the bloke who normally makes my stickers, he said, oh, I can't, can you, can you go to Jake instead? It's like, bro, my competition has given me work. Like, what the fuck? I, I, give, a lot of, I give a lot of business to my competition that I've actually never heard from any of them, but there's, there's one company in Bunbury that I send a lot of work to. Yeah. And I, I probably give them like $100,000. Wow. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Like every time someone comes for a vacate clean, because we don't do those, I just send them to this, they're one, this off. one company. Yeah. I've sent them so many leads and I've never really heard anything from them. But I know, they know they'd be coming from me. Man, a bottle of wine at Christmas would go yeah. a long way. Maybe just reach out and say, hey, you know, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a message with a thumbs up yeah. would be pretty cool, eh? <laughs> yeah, shit. That's cool when you can be in a position to do that though. Yeah, fuck yeah. Because I don't care if my competition has an extra $100,000 a year. Well, this goes back to what we are talking about earlier before. Like, In my mind, there is no competition. No one's doing what I'm yeah. doing. And even if I had a clothing store and the clothing store next to me, they're not competition. Yeah, even when I use the word competition, I'm using it because it's a term everyone uses. But I don't believe anyone else is competing with me because I'm so far ahead and I'm doing my own thing. They're just other people in the same market. Yeah. And in cleaning, the business is so fragmented. It's not like Coca-Cola where they own 60% of the market. It's like I own 0.1%. The next guy owns 0.001%. There might be someone with 1% and they're the big player. Yeah. But it's so fragmented that there is really no competition. Yeah. Like Yes, it's very saturated. But how many homes are in Australia? Yeah, or in Bunbury. Just yeah. in Bunbury. We're talking about a greater population of 130,000 people in yeah. this area. How many homes is that? 100K people in Bunbury and... I've managed to build a million dollar a year business. Yeah, with 120 clients. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. So when people say there's there's too much saturation and it's not the right business to get into, I just wholeheartedly disagree with that. Yeah, fuck yeah. Especially the people on TikTok who are, 
who are coaching and saying that we shouldn't be helping other people. I just think it's very backwards thinking. I think if you help people, if you help people start out in their journey, they're going to do well. And then when they do well, they're going to think of you because you're the person that helped them out. And then there's opportunity for yeah. growth there. So, And also, like I like the idea in five or 10 years time, you know, sitting back on a Friday afternoon, smoking cigars and being like, oi, we both made it. We both made it. Business is a very lonely journey. Yeah. So when you can share that experience with someone, it's, it's very gratifying. Have you, do you have anything to do with the Southwest Small Business Awards? No. Right. So I never heard of them. A friend of mine in business entered, I entered, I'm a finalist in one of the categories and I was kind of sitting back from it going like, oh, I see what this is. This is a marketing thing for their shit. Yeah. The awards is a byproduct. What they're doing is actually getting themselves exposed and like the tickets are 199 bucks per person. I'm like, right, I'm fucking not 199 bucks spared to go to your thing. Like, what do you mean? Even though I'm a finalist and they called me up the other day and uh, they're like, hey, you're a finalist, congratulations. Um, just want to make sure that you get tickets because there's only 180 tickets, there's eight left. I'm like, yeah, marketing ploy, all good. I'll tell you what, the first reason I would go to this is to celebrate other small businesses and potentially win an award, right? What's yep. the second best excuse you've got, got for me? And she goes, because I know that your life is lonely <laughs> because She's got you, there. you don't have a bunch of friends yeah. that are doing the same thing as you. This is the one time a year you can be surrounded by people who have the same problems as you, let your hair down and talk shop. You can talk baseball because that's what yeah. you're passionate about and that's what's up. And I'm like, you motherfucker, I'll have two tickets. That is the best saleswoman ever. Amazing. Yeah. And she spends half an hour, we, we're talking about networking, we're talking about how people communicate in the modern age and the difference yeah. between males and females, young and old, and the things that I'm doing and the things that she's doing. And it's like, oh, this is actually just another version of me. And it's like, hey, yeah, it's 199 bucks. How much piss can you drink in two hours? Hey, it's, it's fun. It's an experience. Why not? Yeah, and also... I'll make that 199 bucks back in the first 20 minutes. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Look, I mean, your type of business too, you can make so many connections there that are going to pay you. In, uh, Dude, if I come yeah. home with any business cards, I fucked up. I should be handing out business cards to every single person, yeah. you know? It's just the way it is. You know what's funny? I've, I've never handed out a business card in my life. I've yeah. got like 2,000 that I've never used. I find if you don't have them and people ask for them, like I don't give them to people unless they ask. Yeah. But if someone asks for it and you don't have it, especially someone who's like 10 years older than us, like they're in that 40s bracket, you don't have a business card and up, they're just like, oh, okay, you don't take yourself yeah, seriously. I, I kind of, I just say like, check out the website or I tell them the website. Yeah. And they kind of look at me funny for not having a business card with me. Mm. It's like, I forgot that that sort of age range. I just that's have they, business cards. That's how they communicate. Yeah. Mind you though, I do, I do keep business cards when people give them to me. And I have a massive stack of them. And when I have a problem that I kind of, like my network is pretty crazy. You say yeah. I need a tire guy, I got a, a painter, I got a painter. If I can't think of someone, I'll flick through stack of business cards this big until I find someone in the industry. And even if it's not a direct person, I'll call them, hey, I got your business card here. Can you give me someone that would do it? Yeah, 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 fucking, who is this? Jake from Black Ink, I do uniforms. Oh, you do uniforms. Yeah, and then the law of reciprocity is that, gonna come into effect and they're gonna do business with you at some point. And even, even just staying at the top of people's consciousness. Yeah. Like, well, that, that's what Instagram is for me. Exactly. If, if they think of you once a week for a year, eventually they're going to get to the point where they need what you sell and they're going to think of you. Correct. That's why we, we do a bit of um, top of consciousness marketing, which is what I call it. Um, just sending out a newsletter, posting on Instagram, doing, yeah. the, doing the TikTok stuff. Because I know that there's, it's, um, it's like 60% of people are not ready to buy from you right now. Something like that. Yeah. And so we want to, that's a big chunk of people. So we want to keep that 60%. We want to put them into like a, 
an ecosystem or a drip system where we can email them they can be following us on instagram and we can be posting to them daily yep. so that when the time comes if they do want what we have to offer they're going to think of us first right that, that was actually one one thing i did want to ask you about what is the purpose of tiktok to you and your business tiktok was actually just something to bring a bit more enjoyment into the business because i was at a point where like i was making a lot of money but it was all becoming like the same sort of thing every day to me mm. and i was kind of just becoming bored I was, I was a little bit complacent and so I just wanted to start doing something fun. And I was like, TikTok seems like it would be fun. Yeah. I made a couple of videos just uh, doing like a day in the life sort of thing. Yeah. Just take, took people with me. Well, your first clean. big blow up was the what I get at Bunnings, isn't it? That was ridiculous. How many views is that on at the moment? 5.3 million. Wow. I, I think it's the biggest Bunnings video ever. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. cool. That's um, so cool. It was it was crazy. That was filmed at Treendale Bunnings. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So, so... I guess TikTok now, I mean, it has kind of become an arm of your business in that obviously you're doing a lot of communicating on TikTok. Yeah, well, I'm now making between three dollars and $5,000 a month from TikTok passively. Really? Yeah, so I've got I've got two brand deals, which um, I've got Jobber and Trainual, which is two softwares that I use a lot. I've got deals with them. I've also got a lot of affiliate sales coming in from just recommending products and softwares. Yeah. Um, on top of that, I get sent free stuff all the time. Like I got sent a, a vacuum cleaner worth 900 bucks. Wow. And there's no agreement for me to do a video on it. So they've just sent it to me. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, but it's also opened up this this new door of coaching, which yeah. is something that has been in the back of my mind for a while. But now that I'm, I'm starting to gain traction on TikTok, it's something that I want to start to look into more. Because yep. I've got hundreds of people who have, who have reached out asking for advice. And I've got people literally begging me to start coaching so they can give me their money. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They were like, just name your price. I'll get on the phone with you and we can like set up a monthly agreement. I'm like... I feel like I haven't earned the right to be a coach yet. Mm. But then at the same time, I know I'm a lot further along than a lot of other people yep. who are in that, that sort of position. And so um, I feel like it's it's a weird thing where you, you feel like you're not worthy to be giving advice. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. But then, then you look back and you're like, you, you think of where you were, which is like where they are now. Yeah. And you just wish that you had that person who could... Who could show them the way and give them that kind of you kind of want to give it to them for free but you can't give it to 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 everyone yeah. for free especially the the rate i'm at now because i'm i started in i think june so how many months is that about four July, five August, September, october yeah okay, five. Okay. yeah so five months and i'm now at forty thousand followers wow so that's almost an average of ten thousand a month yeah if we think about it like that it's it's going to be very big what's your content output per per week oh it's it varies but i'd say twice three times a week right because the videos do take a bit of time to make and i'm not doing much cleaning anymore so like rostering myself for cleans has been the biggest challenge now because i barely do it especially when i was in the gold coast for a yeah, month and yeah, a half yeah. i was like shit i've run out of content and you're going from the cleaning guy to almost the ceo guy yeah but i don't ever want to fully break away from the cleaning side because i actually do love the cleaning that's yeah. why i started the tiktok just because i love doing it yeah and so like i try to give myself two days a week of cleaning i did one today I film that one, so that'll be a TikTok in yep. the future. Um, Do you find you have heaps of ideas to make TikToks or you struggle to come up with the concepts that you want to... Some days I have like 20 ideas and I never write them down and so I just forget yeah. them. But my my style of TikTok is very off the cuff. Like I, I film the content, I can do that whenever. Yeah. And then... Uh, I just have like the background video and then I do a voiceover. Yeah. And the voiceover can be talking about what I'm doing in the video. It can be talking about something that happened today or yesterday. Yeah. I can be talking about an idea I have. Yeah. It's like doing it that way gives me so many opportunities to kind of have 
a lot of creative freedom and, and just, also authenticity yeah and just yeah. do it off the cuff which is what a lot of people seem to like because yeah. like you said the ones that are really rehearsed and manufactured seem to not do They're very busted, well man you know my which monday is, motivation which is funny, this is um the, the the bunnies video was that took a long time to make oh so it paid was, off yeah but yeah. then every other video that i spent a lot of time doing has been a bomb like my yeah. least viewed video took the most time to make yeah it had it had a hundred and forty thousand dollar car in it wow wow yeah, yeah okay well, I, my my experience in doing my Monday motivation is, if you pay attention to my Monday motivation, it always starts me walking out the door. I love those posts, bro. I, I they're never planned. That's off the cuff. Every time I just walk out the door, bro, I'm like, I, I look at those posts and I'm like, how do you how do you do that so effortlessly? I'm like, <laughs> bro, that's I gonna, don't know. That's gonna be like take four or five. Or no, something. no, like, always, no way. always. It's always the first, and if it's not the first, I don't do it. <laughs> how, do you, like, how do you speak so fluidly? because I don't understand I've got 120 plus podcasts speaking for over 45 minutes by myself to the camera I think the problem for me is I, I spent like six years in my own head yeah whereas yeah. you you've been you've been saying it out loud all this time I'm an only child and I moved yeah. around so much before I was 10 I'm so many school moves I had to make new friends all the time I had to put my best foot forward you know I've been a professional athlete I've lived in Europe as a professional athlete for a year when yeah. I was 18 so I've got all these experiences where it's just like what do you want right now? Tell me, what do you want? What do you want to do? You want to win? Let's win, you know? So it's always to me like, what am I vibing? Like two weeks ago, I was gratitude. I'm like, right, motherfuckers, you know gratitude's a practice, right? All you got to do is like, keep practicing it every day. You want to get good at wheelies, you practice wheelies, gratitude's the same. You want to be grateful, practice gratitude, bang. I watch it back, I'm like, cool, I didn't say fuck too many times. Put a Monday thing on it, post it. I watched those like three or four times in a row. I'm just like, how does he do it? <laughs> <laughs> That's good, I'm, I'm just, landing. It seemed, it, they just seem too rehearsed. But like at the same time, it doesn't come off that way. It's just like it's too good for it not to be. Yeah, yeah. But I it's, feel it's like it's very cool. It's um, you must you must have a very strong bond with your followers. Like your, your followers must be you must be at the top of their feed all the time. I think if you want a bizarre experience, come uh yeah, it's all good. Come with me on a Friday night or Saturday night to to Fitzy's. It's bizarre. I've never been there actually. People, it's like that they've known me forever. Yeah. They're like, Jake, what's going on, man? I saw that fucking podcast or such and such. And that, I, that's, that's something weird that's been happening to me because I'm getting a lot of views on TikTok. People come up to me and they recognize me. Right, right. And it's such a weird thing. Dude, I'm, I'm now so comfortable with that experience that I remind myself five minutes in, I'm like, hey, dude, you don't yeah. know this guy. You know, you don't, this, this stranger that just came up to you, they're being nice to you and you're being nice to them. But remember, you don't know if they offer you a drink or if they offer you like, you know, let's yeah. go have a bag. But the they, they feel like they know you so well. Correct. Because I've got people who, like in the Gold Coast, I was sitting on a bench by the beach with sunglasses and a hat on. Someone recognized me. That's nuts. And they're talking to me and they're, they're telling me all this stuff and they're like... About you as well? Yeah. yeah. It's like they've obviously listened to my podcast. Yeah. They've been following me on Instagram because they've seen stories that were like a month ago. Yeah. I'm like, it's such a weird such a weird interaction to have and it's like they're talking to me like I'm their best friend but I don't know who the hell they are like I don't even not even a first name I didn't even ask their name I just kind of forgot that and I was like I don't know who I'm talking to right now yeah dude but it was it was still cool though it's um it's definitely a new thing getting recognized out in public by people you don't know it is it's a skill it's fully a skill and like even getting to the point of being able to talk to people as if you do know their name and replacing it with words that aren't mate or buddy or champ and making them feel like, fuck, he actually knows me as well. It's like, no, no, no. I'm just giving you an experience that yeah. you're going to talk about later on. Yeah, the, the skill of being a celebrity, yeah. Oh, I, I don't want to call it that, but it's well, like... Well, I, yeah. I think in Bunbury, you, you are Bunbury's biggest celebrity. No, I'm, Bunbury's biggest up-and-coming celebrity, I reckon. Oh, okay. That way I can keep the head... Uh, yeah, I think you can, all, you can always be up-and-coming. Yeah. That makes you sound young and fresh. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't you say you're Bunbury's youngest something? I'm Bunbury's youngest man. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I, I had someone question me about it, like, yeah, there's heaps heaps men younger than me. I'm like, no, no, no. The distinction of being a man is I'm a motherfucker, right? Yeah. I show up. I've got respect. I know what the game is. I'm playing it. I'm being there. If you want me to do something, I'll do my best. You know, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. All these things that kind of encapsulate and heaven forbid say that I have masculine traits because it's so toxic these days. But I'm the youngest dude doing it. Yeah. You know, and that's that, what I that mean. That kind of attitude is very contagious. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's why a lot of people kind of gravitate to you. Um, I don't know what it is, but at the moment it's working. So I'm grateful for it. Anyway, I, I, we got to fucking wrap this up because I've got to skate yeah, to man. go doing. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I feel like I've learned so much talking to you. <laughs> I feel like that was five minutes. I know. That I know. Crazy. How good a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, pleasure, if man. people want to find you, where can they find you? Oh, just Jason Cleans on anything. Sweet. I'm going to put all your shit in the bio in here. So if you want to get a hold of Jason or any cleaning or whatever you want, check it in the bio. Until then, be good to your mum. Thank you, mother, for the rabbits because we are fucking out. You! <laughs>